Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Tara and Ryan. My name is Ryan. And I am Tara, and I am running the show today. <laughs> so our special guest today is Ryan. Yay! He is um, not only my fabulous podcast co-host and the chair of the Massachusetts uh, chapter of the National Aging in Place Council and owner of his own uh, company. He is also now ventured out um, with one of our, a friend of mine, Well Aware Care. And so we're going to talk about all of that today with Mr. Ryan. Yay! Yeah, it's crazy. We have our favorite guest on. It's going to be a blast. So <laughs> so let's let's be honest. It's the Friday, the 2nd of 4th of July. We had nobody that was interested in doing a podcast <laughs> this day. So I stepped up and said, we'll do the, let's talk about me. And so here we are talking about me. So Tara, I'm an open book. What questions do you have for me? Oh boy, I should have pulled out all of my really hard, tough questions, but I'll save those for the virtual networking event. What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? <laughs> I don't know, probably something when I was in China that yeah. I wasn't sure what it was. It might have not been as crazy as you, but. Yeah, those Rocky Mountain oysters were not <laughs> worth the, the flight out to Colorado in my view. No, but I am actually curious since we met through the National Aging in Place Council, how you found out about the group, just briefly before we talk about all your ventures. Yeah, so um, so it's kind of weird. So there's there's a town in, in right outside of Boston called Newton. Everybody thinks it's Newtown, but it's pronounced Newton. Um, and so the Mass Pike runs smack dab into Newton. And so you, it's kind of the, the geographical line, if you will, that interstate is kind of the north side of Boston, the south side of Boston. And so the way I found out about it is that there's, for whatever reason, there's tons of activities down in south of Boston, Newton South, but there's not as many networking opportunities in the northern side of Boston, believe it or not. And um, somebody that had was in tech um, had nothing to do with senior care. I was like, I'm going to go to this kind of networking group. It's something with the National Aging in Place Council. And then I was like, I should bring Ryan because like aging in place is what he does. So I immediately hopped onto that. And, um, you know, the NAIPC had just, I think, become an official charter because they had gotten enough members or maybe I was kind of visiting and joining right as that was going on. Um, but we were meeting in person, which was, you know, strange to say. And, uh, and you know, it made sense. And there were a few people in there that I knew. There were a lot of guests that I knew, and it seemed like it made um, a lot of sense for me. At the same time, I had been uh, actively pursuing being on a board of directors for a nonprofit. I wanted to do that. And I was, uh, I won't name names, but I was pretty disappointed with some of the non-responses I got um, from people around the Boston area that were supposedly looking for board of directors, but apparently weren't really looking for him because I would reach out multiple times. And uh, and not that I was mad that I didn't get it, but it was just like, at least acknowledge the fact that I'm trying here. Um, and then, you know, that kind of snowballed, joining the NAIPC snowballed into you and I uh, getting to know one another. We hit it off um, and and then jumped on to being part of the board. So it, it really um, allowed a lot of things to, it, it literally killed like three or four birds with one stone, if you will. Um, because, you know, I had run my own podcast, which is why we're doing this podcast, because of my experience doing that. And that whole podcast was built out of me going to Council on Aging's 
and like three people showing up to listen to what I had to say at like six o'clock at night. And it didn't really feel like a great, great use of my time. So I said, Hey, I'll do the podcast to get the word out. And then if people find it, they find it. And then it was just a perfect kind of opportunity with the NAIPC because it's about giving back, doing speaking engagements, education through the community. And we're being able to help through a, a, uh, the technology of podcasts and video on, on the YouTube channel. So it, it was a perfect mix. Yeah, well, their loss is our gain. I'm glad they didn't respond to your request to be on their board because I am um, really happy that you've joined us. You always have a lot of good ideas and um, I'm thankful to have you. And we have a lot of new people on our board and a lot of new ideas. But I will say your podcast, a funny story quickly, somebody that I went to high school with found me through your podcast who is a, a hospice nurse in Phoenix and she randomly sent me a Facebook message and was like um I think I just heard you on a podcast about caregivers <laughs> so it's funny that there's someone other than our family out there listening to us so that's awesome yeah I, it's it's um it's one of those things that the podcast does very I do very little promotion on it but if you were just consistent with putting out an episode a week or two a month or whatever it might be, you will gain that traction and people will listen to you. And ironically, you know, I'm all the way over in Massachusetts. The biggest state that listens to me is California. So it's not even like it does any, any good, but it's just building your brand in the sense of getting out there. And then of course, the main purpose was just trying to help people. Um, and any kind of notoriety I get out of it is, is, maybe not notoriety, but any, uh, you know, um, awareness that I get for what I do is, is great. And people can connect with me on LinkedIn or whatever, and we can kind of help each other out that way. But the podcast is a great way to, um, break the ice because you're not, you know, you're not selling somebody something. You're not saying, Hey, let's do a 30 minute zoom. So I can, can veil thinly veil a sales pitch to you. It's, it's actually providing some value because somebody's going to have a few hundred, maybe even a thousand people listen to their podcast over the course of time. And, you know, that helps people out. So I get a lot more positive feedback from when I reach out to people and say, hey, this podcast, maybe we can kind of collaborate a little bit. And then people are open to it and, and versus, hey, let's sit down and try to sell each other on each other's products kind of thing. So your podcast is really sharing what you've learned through your business with other people or talk to us a little bit about the content of that podcast. So I would say we, we, we have close to 200 episodes. I would say the first 100, 120 were done with myself and a woman named Janet, who's my director of client care. Um, Janet's great. We were doing, we were doing it in the office and then after a hundred episodes, you kind of like realize like we got nothing else to say to one another. And we were like finding articles online to talk about. And then I was like, well, maybe we should take a hint from every other podcast that people like to have guests. And so that's when we started having more and more guests on. And um, that's where it's really been able to, um, you know, allow me to have um a better relationship with a lot of people locally and, and some cases nationally um, because you're collaborating together rather than, you know, trying to sell each other on things. So the, I would say the first hundred or so, maybe a little more is generally Janet and I talking about different situations that we see in um, home care. And then past that has been the guests. Now also, you know, it also coincided with 
pandemic happening, right? So we were no longer were able to be in the same room together. We had work to do. So everybody's doing Zooms. And so it just made sense to kind of pivot to, to having a guest. How did you, I'm, I'm, I know that I've heard parts of the story before, but I haven't heard the full story about how you got into home care. So I, I know got, you bought your aunt's company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I grew, I grew up in the Boston area. Uh, after college, I moved out to Colorado. I wanted to drink beer and snowboard. I was successful at both. Thank you very much. Um, and I decided to settle down in Boulder. I had a small little condo in Boulder. It's a great city. Um, I had a job um, that, that I enjoyed, but my parents moved down to Florida. My mom got sick with cancer and I'm an only child. And um, this, this whole kind of disruption happened right in as the 2008, 2009, no, more like 2010, 11 crash, you know, timeframe where everything was a disaster where, you know, you know, admin positions were getting 300 applications. Um, and I just gotten a great job, but I quit it. I quit and I moved to Florida to be with my mom because it was terminal. Uh, it was, it was, basically everywhere the cancer was more than where it wasn't. And um, we found out in April and she had passed away by, by August of 2011. And so through that, I experienced drinking from the fire hose of, of information with home care and, and VNA and hospice and uh, being frustrated with doctors and not being able to give you a straight answer because the doctors don't have a straight answer to give you because the healthcare system stinks at chronic diseases. Um, and so they're not the doctors. My point is the doctors aren't at fault. It's just that you can't give, you can't tell somebody when they're going to die. It, it could be any time. So my mom passed away. And that's after that had occurred you know, all that whole time, my aunt and I had been talking about like, what am I going to do? I had just quit my job. The doctors told me my mom had a year to live plus. I think my mom knew that what's the difference between a year or four months. And mentally she had just accepted it, shut down and said, let's just get this over with. Um, and so I could have gone on FMLA, but I didn't because I thought I had a year to go. You know, I thought I had a lot of time. And so I had rented out my condo for a year. I had quit my job. And that's when my aunt and I started talking. I had always wanted to own my own business. I would be sitting at my uh, kitchen table in Boulder, trying to figure out what business to own. And, um, you know, I didn't believe her when she said, why don't you go back up to Massachusetts and just like run things for a year? And I was like, all right, you know. And so at the time, my aunt had two companies. She had Minute Women Home Care, which did home care, and she had a cleaning company. So I tended to feel that cleaning would be you know, there was less dependent on cleaning than there was on home care. So I didn't really touch the home care. And I figured if somebody's vase gets broken, I can, you know, give them a hundred bucks for a new vase or whatever it costs. If somebody's hip goes down, I, I don't want to be responsible for those important decisions. But, um, and that's how I got involved. And then, you know, I loved it. I wanted to help people the way that I had been helped. I looked at it as a uh, you know, if you want to say a blessing or, or just kind of my mom's last gift or opportunity to me, you know, those things wouldn't have happened. And I probably would be working the nine to five out in Colorado still if uh, my mom hadn't gotten sick. Certainly, I would certainly trade, make that trade any day of the week to have my mom around, but you can't do that. You don't have that choice in life. So you can either, you know, try to make the best of the situation or, or you know, sit there and, and drink yourself 
you know, uh, sorry all every night and there's no point in doing that. So um, that's how I got involved with it. And then, you know, it's very rewarding to, and I'm sure you have the same experiences, Tara. Um, we have a wall of fame where it's just people who email us and send us letters and things like that, that are, that are just, they appreciate how much we've helped their families and their parents and times of need and some of the most stressful times that they'll have in their lives. And, you know, it's a great thing to feel like you're helping people while also being able to make a living at it. Yeah, for sure. My father passed away in 2009. So pretty close to the same yeah. as your mom. And it really kind of changes the way you look at everything, doesn't it? And the way you look at what you have in front of you and what's behind you. And, and if, if you can find the gifts of what they give you through their passing, like you did with your mom, um, it makes it a little bit easier. And I think a lot of our members at NAIPC have had similar experiences where that was their entry into senior care or the senior world is taking care of a family member or a loved one that it's just completely changed the trajectory of, of their lives. So. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I did a post on LinkedIn that I know you commented on about that poster and it's a, oh, this yeah. po <laughs> it's this poster and it has these black dots and every black dot rep represents one week of your life. And so you can order it to, to, to have it pre-filled to where you're at. And then it's a visualization of how many weeks you have left. And one of the things that I've come to appreciate, and I am very cognizant of is that, that life goes by quickly. Right. And, you know, I saw that, you know, when, before my mom died, I didn't think about time as a, a commodity you don't get back. I wasted it left and right. And, um, and after that, and now working in home care, um, you know, it's, it's one of, I think my connection's bad. Is my connection bad, Tara? No. No. All right. Good. It said it was bad, but working in home care has also made that, I think and it, it makes everybody in home care or senior care realize that like, you're going to be 80 years old if you're lucky one day and you can have a good 80 or you can have a bad 80. Um, you know, I was talking to my dad, like so a neighborhood, somebody in my old neighborhood died at 88. I'm like, dad, do you want to live to 88? And he goes, it depends on the quality of life. If it stinks, then I don't want to be around at 88. If it's going to be good, then sure, of course I do. Um, and so I think being in the healthcare system, you, you can't help but be cognizant of how quickly time goes by and you should appreciate the time that you have and, and those types of things because people take that for granted quite often. Take time for granted, but they're also like people our age are gonna live beyond 80 and 88 more into like their hundreds more and we're not really gonna be prepared for that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, from a planning purpose, which is another great, part of our organization is just helping people plan for the future and um, bringing people together in collaborations, which leads me to your next venture with WellAware, a collaboration that was made through the Aging in Place Council there in Massachusetts, yes? Yeah, so so I went. I joined the NAIPC, and I agree that. And hopefully, people are listening. Like that's these are the reasons why I joined the NAIPC because you, you we we want to give back and help the community, and 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 that's really where we're at first and foremost. And then any other side benefits that come from that business wise, whether it's it's branding or exposure or referrals, are all secondary and third to the main premise of giving back to seniors. And so, um, you know. I was for, you know, I think NAIPC is, has paid for itself in, in many times over by getting to be introduced to the guys at WellAware Care. And so WellAware Care, what they do is that they're a software company that 
um, that takes already existing devices and brings them together so they can talk to one another. So you could in theory do what WellAware Care does on your own, but you would have 15 devices with 15 apps, 15 logins, and none of them would talk to one another. Um, so they're they're gonna they're gonna be bringing all that together. And uh, what caused us to get together was that in Massachusetts and throughout the country, but especially the coastal um, uh, cities, but everywhere, the cost of caregiving is going up. It's going up rapidly. Um, uh, I believe that by the time the minimum wage is at $15 an hour in Massachusetts, which we pay caregivers more and they deserve to be paid more, um, they're going to uh, be charged $40 an hour for home care. So not the caregivers, families will be paying roughly $40 an hour for home care. Um, and the pandemic has, has made that happen faster because there's a caregiver shortage and, um, it, you know, they, they, they know that uh, they're in hot demand and so they can demand a premium price. And what that does is there's obviously the benefits are for the, the, people that can afford this, the caregivers are getting paid what they deserve to be paid, but there is also a, 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 another side to the coin. And the side to that coin is that the gap that of people who can afford home care and who can't um, is growing into a chasm. It's getting bigger and bigger. There are going to be families that $40 an hour is a non-starter. There's no point even having a, a conversation after saying those those words. And then there are going to be families that are in the middle that say, hey, listen, I thought I could afford 15 or 16 hours a day, and I'm only going to be able to afford eight. And so, or whatever that number is. And so I believe that, you know, technology is going to have to come in and fill that gap. And what WellAware Care does is they are a fall detection and emergency detection system. So they do not replace home care because you can't replace one-on-one -on -one care with technology yet, maybe in another hundred years. But if Elon Musk manages to like take his head off and put it on another body and keep that going. Um, but, you know, there are going to have to be sacrifices made that families are going to say, hey, listen, if I can't get the best home care or pay for an assisted living, what can I pay for? And with this system, what it does is it's different from a life alert system in, in two ways. And when I was talking with Bob, the owner, um, you, you, you find out that, hey, listen, what makes WellAware Care different? And the big differentiator is that the senior doesn't have to wear anything and the senior doesn't have to interact with anything. And I'm willing to bet, Tara, that you probably have experienced that doing your, your line of work, that sometimes seniors are not willing to engage with things that would help them or they have dementia and they're not gonna remember to engage with it when they fall onto the ground. Yeah. Absolutely. Or they were told not to take the stairs and they take the stairs anyway. So that's a big one. <laughs> yeah. So, so the idea behind this is, and this isn't it, but it's a, it's about this size. It's a hockey, this is a phone charger, but it's about a hockey puck and you stick it on the wall behind you. So if you imagine it on the wall behind you, Tara, and what it uses is, is it's a radar. And so it deter, can determine if somebody's in the prone position or not. So whether it's a fall, a heart attack, a stroke, whatever, any reason they end up on the ground, it will detect that. And it will, you'll be able to program it to know where couches are and where beds are. So there are no false positives. And then it gives the person 60 seconds to get back up. It will still record that as a recovered fall. And then if after 60 seconds, the person has not gotten up, it can 
send a text message out to an unlimited amount of contacts to let them know that a fall event has occurred. And the, the, the benefit, the, the downside is you can't prevent the fall, right? But the benefit is you're going to prevent somebody staying on the ground for five or six hours in an assisted living or in a private home because not all assisted livings check every hour. They might only check when there's time for dinner and then they open up the door and somebody's been on the floor for four or five hours. And so this program is designed to alert family members almost immediately or basically immediately when a fall occurs. Um, and so there is a, um, a web portal that you can go into and then you can check if your mom has had a fall, but she recovered from the fall because I don't know if you know this, Tara, but sometimes care, uh, seniors lie about how often they fall down onto the ground. Yep. I don't know in your experience with your, your company, does that happen a little bit? <laughs> Maybe once or twice. <laughs> yeah. So, so where I look at this from a home care company, this allows me to help people that otherwise wouldn't be able to afford my services. Uh, for an assisted living for the router and for the device and technology, you're talking about $800 for an ass assisted living sized uh, apartment. So if you're in a home, it might be bigger, but even if you're talking an upfront cost of $3,000 and then the, the ongoing monthly fee is $100 after that a month, um, you know, to give you an idea, if you hired me for 24 hours a day of care, you're paying me $850 a, a day. So, you, you know, after two weeks of paying me 24-7, you've basically paid for any upfront costs that WellAware Care would ever have um, with you. And that's where I think the, the, the second big benefit is, is it's far more affordable for families than one-on-one -on -one care or assisted living is. It's not a competitor. It's not a replacement. It's an alternative to for people that maybe can't afford those services or have a senior that is dug their heels in and said, there is no way in hell I'm going to an assisted living and there's no way in hell I'm having home care come in here. It's not happening. Well, then mom, dad, okay, you have the right to refuse that. What about this? Can we compromise on this solution? And then it gives families the data and it gives families peace of mind that they know what, uh, that their, their, their mom or dad will be uh, immediately uh, okay if a fall occurs. Yeah, even if you just have it in a private residence in the high fall zones, like the bathrooms and the bedrooms at night as people are walking to the bathrooms and in the kitchen area, just peace of mind for that. Because really when somebody falls, you know, every second kind of counts. So yeah, and I'd love to give two examples of how this has helped families just recently. Yeah, so one other thing that this, the one other piece of device they have is a bed pad that goes under the mattress. And this bed pad reads how well you're sleeping, how many hours you're getting. It reads your heart rate um, beats per minute. And so the other thing is if you get up in the middle of the night, it can automatically turn on smart lights because it realizes there's no pressure and oh, it will turn that. on smart lights so that there's lighting to get to the bathroom for a senior, you get back into bed, the lights go out. And all of this is collected in data wise. So you know what's going on with your mom or dad. But for example, with the sleep pad, there was an issue where so somebody was testing this out. They went to sleep and they woke up, but the family looked at the data and they noticed that for, for a certain length of time in the middle of the night, that their, their heart rate went through the roof. 
And they brought that to the doctor and the doctor said, that's a heart attack right here. That's a mini heart attack. And you need to, we need to get you checked out and we need to clear your pipes basically. Like we need to make sure this doesn't happen. So in my mind, that's, a, that's, that's possibly saving somebody's life right there. Another example is with the, um, the fall detection system. It was in an assisted living. A woman fell and hit her head on the corner of a, a desk or, or the counter. And she was badly hurt. She was bleeding. And this family had chosen to get cameras in addition to the fall detection system so they could immediately check. And they saw their mother trying to drag herself up over the floor. And here's the thing, all these assisted livings, families are gonna sit there, but assisted livings have pull cords, right? She if you had, can get to them. If you can get <laughs> right? to them. And it, there was a pull cord right next to her, but she was so disoriented and so confused. She totally had forgot about the pull cord and was trying to go towards a phone that she was unlikely to get to. They they called the assisted living. Assisted living was in the, um, the apartment within a minute. And EMS was there five minutes later. And they said that if she had been laying there for hours because... It would have been four hours till they got her for dinner. She could have had a stroke and she likely would have died because of that. Um, and so those are the, those situations where um, the fall can be bad, but laying on the ground for four or five hours can be the nail in the coffin. And, and that's what you're trying to avoid. Now, there's, there's, um, there's no guarantee that the fall isn't going to be the thing that puts somebody over the edge and they pass away from it. But you're again, trying to hedge your bets and do the best you can with what you either can afford or what your family member will allow in their home. Yeah. And even like things that probably you don't even think of like UTIs, if somebody gets up 20 times in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, something's wrong. Or if they're up for too long in the bathroom, something could be wrong. Or, you know, there's so many different ways you could use that data from a medical perspective. Absolutely. And, and, and these guys, these guys are going to come up with more things. We're going to look back on this a year or two from now and be like, all you had was a fall detection and a sleep pad. They're, they're, they're talking with people um, constantly about their devices, how they can integrate it into their system. Um, but you're, you're absolutely right. Those are those types of things that are going to be very helpful uh, moving forward. And that data is, is important. And, and the reason why is that it doesn't happen all the time. But I am cognizant of the fact that in home care, when I make a re recommendation to a family that says you need overnight, my caregivers are saying your mom's awake at night, you need overnight awake care. There is, even though I consider myself an honest guy, there is a conflict of interest there because obviously the more hours I get, the more money I make. And I love the idea of having this type of system that we can implement this in the beginning. And then I can point right to the data and say, your mom is getting three hours of sleep every night and she's up every single, every 20 minutes. Here, here, the proof is not from my caregivers, it's from this data that you have right here. And then it allows, and going back to the NAIPC motto, it allows people to be educated on what's going on with their loved ones. And then they can make a decision on what the best course of action is for their senior parents, whether that's home care, assisted living, nursing home, something alternative. At least they have the information to know what to do and they can kind of see the decline happening in real time rather than there being some major event that occurs that's like, all right, mom, you know, had the broken hip. Now we got to figure out what to do because we tried to let this go as long as we could. And I think, you know, in the senior care world, and I don't know if you agree with me, Tara, nobody has yet to disagree with me. So let's put it that way. 
most families, if they're lucky, are three months behind where they should be. Many families are six to 12 months behind. If you're looking at the assisted living or home care or geriatric care managers or Tara's services, you're, you're doing a good job if you're only three months behind when you should have been doing that already, if not six and 12 months and sometimes longer. So this will allow family members to be able to get ahead of that wave rather than behind it. And so that they can make these decisions and see what's going on with their parents without it being invasive, without cameras and without the, the seniors having to wear anything or interact with it in any way. Yeah. And it even just keeps the caregivers informed of what the other caregivers are doing. Cause maybe the Sunday person never sees the Thursday person, but the information that they have is critical to their next shift. So it just, I, I see where it can keep everyone in the loop from yeah, every I, angle, every perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And we we talk with families all the time, and I'm sure you do that that they they want their parents to have some type of help. They know it, but how do you introduce a stranger into the home, or how do you introduce you know pulling somebody out of their home for of 30 years into a new community? Well. I would have to imagine putting one of these devices on the wall that looks like a smoke detector is going to be far less of a battle to win than it is going to be having home care come in or moving into an assisted living. So again, you can kind of start earlier and say, hey, mom, dad, you've had a couple slips. I've seen, I've seen a black eye once or twice. We know what's going on. How about we just do this stuff just in case for a safety, uh, a safety net, just in case something happens at home. And I think you'll get a lot more buying into that rather than uh, trying to go with more of the, the, the disruptive services like home care and assisted livings. Yeah, and it protects their privacy still because it's not, well, I know you have cameras, but it's a radar, right? So it's not like, I see that you are in the kitchen for three hours today, mom. It's just sensing if they fall or don't fall, correct? Yeah, that's unless there's cameras. Yeah, you can opt to get cameras, but this little hockey puck device only emits radar. So, yeah, it's super cool. So I was like, I I wanted to make a joke when I was talking to guys. I'm like, so you're saying you've taken like the hunt from Red October and brought it into the 2021? Like this is crazy. I'm used to seeing a a green blip. Um, But you bring up a good point with cameras, right? So even if a senior is willing to have cameras in their home, which not many are, but if they are. Where do you think they're going to allow cameras to be in their home? Kitchen, dining room, den, living room. They don't want not the bathroom (laughs) and not the bedroom. And where do falls happen all the time? In the bedroom and in the bathroom, right? Late at night, where are they? In the bedroom. Where are they going? To the bathroom. Like, so you're defeating the whole purpose. And then the other issue with cameras, not that they're bad, they serve their purpose, but a camera doesn't, a camera is worthless if nobody's watching it. So if you don't see your mom actively fall on camera, the camera is just collecting information to nobody. And so unless you're watching that 24 hours a day, you're not going to be able to um, know exactly when mom fell. And all you're going to be able to do is the postmortem, right? You're going to see how long mom fell and was laying on the ground. And so that's the issue with cameras. They serve their purpose, but they're not going to be able to do detect those falls like this system will. So it's, it's exciting. It's a, it's, it's exciting for me because it's a new way that I can help 
families. I can help families that can't afford home care because it, it really sucks when, when, and I say that purposely, it sucks when somebody calls up and they need home care, you can hear it in their voice. And then you say it's, you know, our rates right now are $35 an hour. And I'm telling you, my rates aren't on the high end. And, and they hear $35 an hour and they're like, yeah, well, have a nice day. Like, there's no way I can afford that. And you're just, so your mom's going to keep going to the hospital, keep going to the nursing home. And we're going to play this game that we play with so many different people in this country. And it obviously is disruptive. It's, it's painful and it's stressful for the, all the family members and the uh, senior that's doing it. And so hopefully this will be able to provide them an option that's a lot more affordable and maybe can help them out. Yeah, this is one of those things. I love to geek out about the future of like technology and aging. I think our generation, you and I are in a good spot to really benefit from all of these future things that are happening. I'm excited to see like this is just the beginning of where, you know, things are going for the aging yeah. marketplace. Yeah, and, and and so I'm so to be clear with the well, we, we keep talking about well aware care. Well aware care to, makes everything and now they make they make that software like I explained but they don't distribute it I'm their distributor so that's why I'm involved with the well aware care system and so I, I said this to the guys like it's the prices are going to get so high that technology is going to introduce itself some way somehow it's going to happen it's just a matter of who's going to get to that that finish line first I mean we see it with fast food companies where the, the wages have gone up. So what have they done? They brought in self-service kiosks that automate everything. And now they only need, you know, three people in the back running everything instead of before they needed 10 people, you know, 15 years ago. So that same thing is going to happen in some respects to the senior care world. And I mean, I don't know your opinion, maybe you can give it to me, but I don't think technology is really utilized much in senior care other than for administrative tasks note-taking, clocking in and out, and, and using an app for those types of things, but it isn't really used too much for the care of seniors. Yeah, that's true. You're seeing a lot of things come on the marketplace now, like our last Hidden Gem series, we had the Labrador systems. People come on and they have a AI robot that helps you in your home. We should connect them with the WellAware people, actually. That might be a good partnership. Um, and then they have, you know, those medical... Um, the medicine things that automatically dispense your medicine so you can't screw that up. So, you know, you're seeing a lot of things coming out, but it's exciting to see where it's really going to go. Yeah, absolutely. And and listen, a lot of those, those ideas are never going to take off, but you need those kind of out of the box thinking ideas to get a, a nugget of, of, a small piece of that to say, hey, you know what, this whole thing didn't work, but this little part of it could be used over here. And then that's how you advance technology is by, by trial and error. And, you know, I remember about, God, I don't know, maybe seven, eight years ago, I was at a trade show down in Connecticut. And this guy had this soccer ball that um, it, it wasn't a soccer ball, but it was about the size of a soccer ball it was black. And the whole idea was it would follow around somebody with dementia all day long. And then it would, and then if you went in the bathroom and you take to, to, took too long in the bathroom, it would bang on the door. And if it banged on the door for too long, <laughs> then it would like call the the family members. And I'm like, 
I mean, like the idea about it in theory is cool, but like imagine having dementia and then turning around and seeing a black ball following you around your whole day. You'd be terrified. You'd be like, what? Yeah. And then you run into the bathroom to get away from this thing and it starts banging on the door. <laughs> so, so, yeah. you know. And I have you, a toddler that I could hire out for that. Yeah, <laughs> she'll and, follow you around all day and bang on doors. <laughs> and the and the thing they wanted like ten grand for the ball, oh, like wow. that was what the cost was. I, was just, I mean, you knew it was never. But again, that's moving the needle a little bit and and pushing things forward because there's probably something that came out of that research and development that they could use elsewhere. Um, and so the robot, maybe they might have those same kind of issues with somebody with dementia being like, "What the hell is that?" Like, you know, think about it. Somebody that grew up in the 20s and 30s and 40s and now there's a, a Jetsons robot next to him. Like, that it's would be- It's a shelf. It's oh, a shelf right. with the Roomba technology. The guy all that right. created the Roomba and it follows highways and yeah. But it's still, it's still moving the needle to get to where yeah. we need to yeah. be. So there's no doubt that te that technology is going to be introduced. And uh, I think Well Aware Care has at least a really good idea. And they're, they're coming from a smart place where the seniors don't have to interact with it. They don't even know what's going on with it. You plug it in, it connects to the router automatically and it works. So, um, so far so good. So if people are interested in that, um, you know, certainly you can reach out to me and, and we can talk about it. But uh, it definitely was a story worth telling because that marriage and that that relationship, I guess, is was because of the NAIPC. That's how we found each other. And it made a lot of sense. And, um, you know, that's why I stay with the NAIPC, because I think it's a good thing and it gives back and you can connect with people in your industry that um, you can do business with or or help people out with. And that's a great example of how someone who has a business, your business is very locally based, how you can use this to take advantage of things on a national level and really kind of next level, perhaps next level yourself and your, your life and your business and your ventures. Who knows? That would be great. We'd love to, to, to have that done. So it is strange going from like a 15, 20 mile radius to now being like, hey, we can pretty much go anywhere. But the whole idea is that, you know, you put this thing in a box, you can mail it to somebody and they just plug it in and they connect a router like they would with Comcast. And then everything else talks to it. And it's all pre- it's all pre-done at the, the, their offices. And when it's sent out, all you do is plug it in. So you don't have to do any programming. That's nice. So yeah. you're the distributor. So how would people reach you if they wanted to learn more? Yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess you call me, my number is 781-862-3300. My company's name is Minute Women. Uh, I know you're not going to be needing home care services if you're out in California, but if you type that into Google, you'll find my website and you can give me a call and we can certainly, uh, you know, get this thing off the ground and see, see if we can uh, get this into your home and help your, your mom or your dad. Yeah, and you're on LinkedIn as well. I know you're active on LinkedIn. And yep, and obviously my my name is right here in the uh, in the bottom left hand corner. So type that into LinkedIn, and I'll be the bald guy with a beard, just kind of like right here. So. <laughs> and then your chapter meetings. I'm just going to throw it all into the the closing. Your chapter meetings. Yeah. You meet once a month. Are you still virtual? Are you in person? What are you guys doing? We are actively trying to be in person. I have told everybody we're going to be in person in July. Um, we think we have a place that will host us. We're waiting on confirmation. Um, I'm confident that we'll find somewhere, but uh, we're going to be back in person. Whether that stays, I don't know. Yeah. 
you know, I know there are going to be people that say, hey, listen, I joined from wherever and I, I'm not going to be able to make the in-person meeting. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I think at the end of the day, it has to be in person. And then if somebody's on the South Shore or somebody that's further away, that's a great opportunity to start a sister chapter. And then we're no longer the Massachusetts chapter, we're the Boston North chapter or whatever we rename ourselves. And then you have a Boston South or a Boston West or whatever it ends up being. So, um, you know, there's just something to be said about being able to see people repetitively time and time again and develop those relationships. Zoom is great. I think you should stay with one-on-ones and quick coffee meetings that you don't need to drive an hour round trip to and back to and from, but once a month to meet in person is not a whole lot to ask. Yeah, well, you, you got a lot going on over there, over there in Massachusetts, a thing or two. <laughs> Listen, you know, it's, it's, if you're not busy, then, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't have kids. I, I decided not to have kids. So I, my, my, the companies and growing my, my little empire is my kids. So that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, I would rather be busy than bored, for yes, sure. Yes, there's a good way to say busy than bored. That's what we're going to do. Well, what a great guest you were today, Ryan. That I mean, was amazing. <laughs> if I had to rank it, I, I mean, I don't know where I'd put it, but it would be up there. <laughs> Pretty high up there, yeah. Thank you, Ryan, for being the guest. You're welcome. Thank you for having me as host, Ryan. Oh, no problem. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll be back after the holidays in two weeks. Every two weeks we do our recording, so two weeks, we'll have our another fabulous guest from the Aging in Place Council. Absolutely. Well, thank you all for listening to me ramble on about my products and and some of the things, but hopefully you found it interesting. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll catch you on the next one. That's what I say, right? Catch you on the next one, folks. I like it.